What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Today's show, I want to talk about the Blazers' loss to the Jazz, another loss against a good team, a, a playoff team in the West. I want to talk about the return of Yusuf Nurkic. I think he was a legitimate positive in this game, despite the Blazers getting rolled for the second time in three nights. And then I want to close the show offering some some real adjustments. Like the Blazers don't look good right now. Where can they? Where are there like tangible things um, that they can they can actually do to get better? Where where are there small small tweaks or just basic tweaks they can to improve where they're at right now? That's what we're gonna do today. Let us let us start with the game. Um, if you regular listen to this podcast, I'm not a big granular recaps guy, but. Um, we gotta talk. We need to talk about this game. The Blazers lost 122-103 to the Utah Jazz on Thursday evening. I was really loading up the optimism cannon, y'all. The Blazers led by three at the break. They put together like a legitimately very good defensive quarter in the second quarter. Uh Nurk was balling. The the guards were making it happen. The the sort of Dame was Dame had a really nice first half, looked like the best player on the court. Uh, you know, the Blazers are on the road hanging with the best team in the West or the team with the best record in the West is maybe the fairest way to say that, uh, you know, 23 and two or 22 and two at home prior to this game for the Jazz. This looks like, okay, the Blazers are going to hang with this team. And I was ready to fire out. I was ready to bring, while I was loading up the cannons, I was, I was ready to fire out some positive takes, even with the loss. Like if the Blazers lost this game close. I was ready to say, like, you know what? They're taking steps in the right direction. This doesn't, you know, maybe this doesn't feel good right now, y'all, but they're they're really they they're really looking better. And here are some obvious signs. And I was making my little list, had my notebook out, I was taking taking notes on some obvious positives I was gonna point to in this show. <laughs> and, uh, and then they lost the third quarter 40 to 19 and the and the game was over. Uh, just like that. And now the Blazers are kind of they're they're back at a place where their their kind of position is undeniable. Um, they are not one of the good teams. They are just they are not one of the good teams. Uh, if you you look at the West standings, they're right there among, among the good teams, grouped with the good teams, but they're they're just not one of them. They have not beat a team ahead of them in the Western Conference standing. They're in six right now, a game ahead of the ahead of the Mavericks. So there's five teams ahead of them in the West. Utah, Phoenix, the LA Clippers, the Denver Nuggets, and the LA Lakers. They have not beat one of those five teams since December 28th, the third game of the season when they beat the Los Angeles Lakers, thanks to 22 points from Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. plays for the Toronto Raptors. LeBron James hasn't played in 10 games for the Lakers. Things done changed, but the Blazers are one and eight against those five teams this season. With again that one win coming back game three, right after Christmas, they're two and one against the Mavericks. So there's something to celebrate. So when, <laughs> when and if the Mavericks pass them in the standings, the calculation is going to automatically change. That's two free wins. But the I think that stats like a little played out. You're going to hear it a bunch, sort of in Blazers media. Everyone's going to use it. Um, it's it's well known. I um, I've kind of been harping on this. The Blazers haven't beat a good team in a while thing, but 
But that stat has kind of permeated Blazer land, um, and everyone's going to point to it, the one and eight against against teams ahead of them in the standings. But it's it's undeniable. Like I think it's played out. It's already played out. Like even if you didn't know it, um, it's play, it's somewhat played out in my world. And uh, but it's undeniable. Like it, it's it. They are who they are. I don't I don't think you can escape it. And 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 Thursday against the Jazz was proof of it. This the Jazz are really good. Like I don't. That's why I was loading the optimism cannon. If the Blazers hung with this team and played them, played them well, I was gonna say, you know what? This is the place you want to be. Like you're not, you can't win every game, but you, this is where you want to be. You want to be competitive in these games, because they were competitive for two quarters, a rosy first half, and then they, then reality came crashing in. Uh, part of this was, and we'll talk about this more later in, in the show. Part of this was bad coaching. Uh, the rotations I didn't particularly care for in the in the third quarter that I think the game got away. Some of it was playing the the Jazz sort of went to a level that the Blazers can't. That's talent. Like it's it's with so many things, it's both. It's both. You know, poor coaching, poor execution by the players, not enough talent by the players. It's it's all of these things. I think a lot of times, um, and I've said this a lot, but the 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 sort of analysis of, of the team is, is so binary. Like it can only be one thing. Oh, it's this person's fault. Oh, like, oh, it's the coach's fault. Oh, it's this, you know, oh, it's Evan Turner's fault. Oh, it's Ennis Cantor's fault. Oh, it's Carmelo's fault. It's Anthony Simons, whatever. But it's all those things. Like it's not Evan Turner. He just got grouped in there because people used to be <laughs> mean to my boy E.T. because he was bad um, and probably deserved it. But like, it's, it's never one thing, but I get against Utah. It was all of those things. And so I like the Blazers are in a spot where it's undeniable. They are not one of the good teams. They are not, they are not on the level of Utah and Phoenix. They're not on the level of the Clippers and the Nuggets. They're, I mean, I don't really know what to make of the Lakers, but when the Lakers are healthy, they're not, the Blazers aren't on that level. The Mavericks have been really good over the last two weeks. I don't think the right now, uh, you know, it's maybe a good matchup for the Blazers specifically, but they're not playing as well as Dallas. Then there's a whole sort of middle class of teams, Memphis and San Antonio, Golden State. Like, I think that's kind of where the Blazers are more more sort of fit naturally right now, quite frankly. They're not one of the good teams. I think that is the sobering reality we saw on Thursday night. You follow a 17-point loss to the Clippers with a 19-point loss to the Utah Jazz. Well... You are what you are. The Blazers just haven't beat it. They just haven't beat many good teams. When they played good teams, they have been they've been smoked mostly, mostly. So those two losses, uh, that was on the heels of an 18 point loss at home against the Bucks. Close loss against the Nets, but the Nets were missing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in that game. They lost by 40 to Dallas back in back at the end of March. They lost by 32 in Phoenix. There were some close losses in there. A six-point loss against the Suns at home. A nine-point loss at LA when the when the Lakers just kind of stiff-armed them. Uh, a fourth-quarter pull-away by the Nuggets that was in Denver back in, back in February. But you can just keep going back. A 28-point loss at Milwaukee, February 1st. A 21-point loss at home against San Antonio back in January. A 15-point loss at Golden State. A 23-point loss at the Clippers. Early December and opening night, a 20-point loss to the Jazz. When they've played these good teams, they have mostly been rocked. And I'm I'm kind of a believer that um, the playoffs and the regular season are different things. So while... 
you know, the, the results certainly matter. The wins and losses matter. I think that the indicators matter more than, more than like the final score, but none of the Blazers indicators are good. It's not like, well, you know, if they had Nurk, it would be like this. Oh, well, you know, if they, they, they shot, you know, four of 31 from three and they're not going to shoot like that. Like they have lost every which way, bad offense, bad defense, bad special teams. Like they just, I think matchup wise, when they get to the postseason, things might change and, and they have 21 games remaining to sort of get, get them, you know, get their sea legs and, and get right. But right now, there is nothing about this team that inspires a great deal of confidence. And it's kind of, it's been pointing in this direction. You know, I, I've, I've said on here before that the Blazers, you know, they, even when they were fifth in the West at the All-Star break and winning all these games, like they had a negative point differential. They didn't, weren't exactly an inspiring group and it's catching up to them now. They're playing good teams. The, the schedule is getting harder and they're, and it's, it feels like it, like, they're just not they're just not as good as these teams. They don't belong on this level. They don't belong in the discussion. They have a chance to sort of get themselves to that to belong in the discussion, but right now it's undeniable. They're not one of the good teams. I don't know if we needed this week of you know blowouts at the hands of the Clippers and the Jazz to know that, but after getting the Blazers got smoked in LA and then smoked in Salt Lake City, yeah. We know it. There's no, we don't need to, we don't need to search much deeper. They're not, they are not one of the good teams. They're probably not one of the bad teams, but they're just so clearly not one of the good ones. But you know what? I still loaded the optimism cannon. I still had some ammo in there. So let's come back. Let's come back in the second segment and I'll I'll give you a, a bright spot amid the clouds. I'll give you a hint. He's seven feet tall, 300 pounds, and he's from small town of Bosnia. Before we talk about that gentleman though, let me tell you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's what it is. Comes in a whole bunch of flavors. You can check them out on their website, builtbar.com. And every single one of them is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. Take for instance, the peanut butter flavor. It's 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, just five net carbs. Tastes great. It's good for you. If you have dabbled in the world of other protein bars, you know some of them are chalky and gross. That's not what Built Bar's doing. They're making delicious bars. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Simple as that. So go get yourself some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski takes you through all the biggest stories in every major sport with the help of our local experts. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. All right, we talked about the Blazers. They're not not a very good team right now. They're just not. They're just not. Uh, it's a results-oriented business. They can get, they can get right. Uh, you know they play the the Pistons and the Heat this weekend. A couple wins uh, at, on a Saturday Saturday Sunday back to back. That could that could I mean it's not going to change the way I feel necessarily, but it could change sort of the uh, um, it could change the vibe a little bit. Wins always change the vibe, um, but they're just until they beat a good team and they really and they really handle a good team. They are what they are. I mean, I've I literally recorded an episode back in the middle of March where I said like 
uh, after the Blazers beat the Golden State Warriors and kind of celebrated uh, the Blazers actually beating a good team. That was a 108-106 win all the way back on March 3rd. Uh, we're a month after that. Obviously, there was a week skip for the All-Star game, but that was, you know, beginning of March, I said, hey, look, the Blazers finally beat uh, a team with a winning record. Man, they haven't done this in a while. In fact, by my count, teams with a winning record when the Blazers play them on that day, the Blazers have five such wins all year long. So it's been a problem. But like I said, I still loaded the optimism cannon while things were going wrong. In fact, during that first half, I was filling up my notebook with positive notes about Yusuf Nurkic. I'm not going to waste those notes because I still believe they're true, even if the Blazers looked, looked like a mess. Nurk changes the calculation for this team. Straight, straight up. His line isn't particularly gaudy tonight. Like, this was not an, like a really impressive statistical night from Nurk. 10 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, a steal and a block. Committed 5 fouls in 22 minutes. The fouls were the problem. But when you watch this team, he just totally transforms what they can be on both ends of the floor. He is... I don't know if he's like an overall better offensive player than than Cantor. He probably is. Cantor's a really good scorer, but Nurk probably delivers more offensively than than Cantor is capable of, just in terms of like total package. But it's close on the offensive end. But on the defensive end, it's a whole nother thing. Like Nurk is just Nurk allows this team to be like a capable defensive group. Maybe not um, you know, a top-tier defensive team, but a capable defensive group. And they're good enough on offense that if he could play 30 minutes a night as a capable defender, he changes this team's ceiling. And on the other end on offense, his ability to pass, his ability to be a threat and a playmaker and a decision-maker in the short roll or just at the top of the key when they run stuff through him and they run little back cuts and split cuts, like he, he transforms what they can be. He's just... He is absolutely a game changer for this team. Now, he took a stupid like um, third foul there in the in the uh, in the first half that was that he shouldn't have taken. It was just like a stop a fast break type of third foul. Incredibly stupid. He can't do that. And when he committed his fourth foul in the third quarter, the Blazers were down five, and things went really wrong from there. We'll talk about that more in the third segment. But Nurk is. Here's the analogy I'll, I'll use. I drive a Subaru Outback. Yeah, it's pretty stereotypical. <laughs> I live in Portland. I drive a Subaru station wagon. Uh, it's a really reliable car. Uh, I've loved having it. I've owned it for you know more than a decade. It gets me where I need to go. I've moved several houses with it, maybe four moves, maybe more in, in that car. Like I can put a bunch of stuff in it. It gets me where I need to go. But this week, my uh, Subaru had a flat tire. And I had to go uh, for my day job. I had to, I had to be... In, I had a meeting away from my home. So I called my neighbor, my, one of my really good friends. He, he listens to this podcast occasionally. Shout out to Andrew. Shout out to Ashley too. Shout out to Nora and uh, Padu. Shout out to all y'all. But I but I called them up and I said, can I borrow your car? My Subaru has to go to the shop and I got I to gotta be somewhere and can't make it happen. And they let me drive their car. And they own a BMW. And it's not like I'm joyriding around, but even just driving on the highway. Notice the difference between a BMW and the Subaru. Oh, damn. It's a little, little pick-me-up. Oh, damn. The radio works. Oh, damn. Look, listen to this. Look, they got heated seats. Cl you know, individual climate control. 
All the little bells and whistles. This is like a luxury car. Nurk is that BMW 3 Series. And his canter is the Subaru. He's reliable. He's going to get you where you need to go. He's going to help you move houses. He is going to, he is going to do the job. And do the job admirably and well. And no one's going to say, man, I wish we, you know, this car doesn't work. It works great. It works great. It's got 110,000 miles on it. It works great. But the upgrade, the difference in, an, in, in a reliable option versus true luxury is just another world. And that's what NERC is. NERC is, Ennis Cantor was the life raft that kept the Blazers afloat for 10 weeks. NERC is the yacht, y'all. <laughs> NERC is luxury cruising. If he can play, if he can play 30 minutes... This team can be good. I don't know that he can. Uh, Health-wise, it's hard to know. Um, you know, sort of decision-making-wise with the fouls and stuff, it's hard to know. Even just fitness-wise, like, can he consistently play 30-plus minutes and and kind of, like, have enough energy to be good? You know, he... We certainly haven't seen that yet this season. Before he got hurt, he wasn't not he was not good or or in good shape. And um, since he's been back, he just hasn't played that much. You know, I think twenty two minutes tonight is the most he's played since since he's been back. So they got to open. They got to get Nurk on the court and get Nurk on the court a bunch because he changes the ceiling. He allows them to be a good defensive team. He changes the dynamic of what they can do on offense. He really can allow Dame and CJ to be true threats off the ball. Um, I don't think that really that really happened today necessarily, but you saw sort of the flashes of it with with his ability to be a playmaker, um, his ability to really challenge and, and and handle Gobert inside. Gobert's kind of a goon, but he's awesome, and Nurk played him really really well. But that's about the end of my Blazers optimism. Nurk looks good. They, got, they he's got to play a bunch. Um, he can he can be he can make this team he can change this team like he he's good enough and he's impactful enough and he's enough of an upgrade over their other options to um to 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 change their to transform what they can be um but he has to stay on the floor and he has to be able to play more uh you can't you know 22 minutes of nurk is not going to cut it he he might have played like ended up playing a little bit more they kind of waved the white flag at the end so it could have been you know 25 minutes of nurk but they need 30 plus they need 30 plus minutes of high level nurk that's their that is their route to have a chance what I want to do in the third segment is offer some some solutions. Um, I know the sort of the timbre of the Blazers fan base is pretty frustrated right now. It's a, the, the the people are just judging by uh, Twitter and the emails some of you have sent me over the last twenty four hours. Like people are rightfully frustrated. There's an anxiety about this team. So I don't want to. I'm not going to tell you how to feel or how to how to root for this team. But I want to offer some like sensible solutions for how this team can be a little bit better. Um, I am not an NBA coach, but I got some ideas. So I'll offer them honestly in the third segment. But before we get there, let's talk about bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA games every night, NHL games every night, Major League Baseball happening all day long. And if you don't want to bet on sports, bet online even covers awards and reality television. Got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline also has you covered for news, scores, and it's just the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website, betonline.ag. 
and enter the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is LOCKEDON, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass-first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about how the Blazers aren't a good team. We talked about how Nurk provides hope. Nurk is, Nurk is the BMW to the Blazers Subaru. He's going he's gonna to dust the competition. He's a luxury vehicle, but they need him They need him to be a reliable luxury vehicle, and he has not been that yet. But he's the ceiling changer. He's, he's the guy you point to. Um, you get carried by your stars in this league. Uh, Dame has, has struggled a little bit as of late, but I... I I believe in him getting right. CJ has kind of been, um, has not been consistently good since he came back, but I, I believe in him sort of getting to a level of production that I'm not super worried about him just yet. But Nurk is, Nurk is a wild card. If he's good and can play a bunch, he, he changes this Blazers ceiling. But right now, that ceiling ain't that high. They look a little bit, they don't look good. I'll, I'll, let's, I've said it, I've said it all episode long. I'm not going to stop now. I want to offer some real solutions. Like, um, just some thoughts I have. Um, the number one thing that I have, I've said, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me say this before, but the number one thing coaches do during a game is decide who plays and when. Um, I think there's this whole idea that like in just in terms of like sort of reading angry tweets and, and some emails and stuff, it's like that, um, you know, the coach calls every play and every decision out there st- stems from the head coach. And I, I don't think that's true. I think players play. It's a talent league. Um, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards, the, the Timberwolves rookie, had a great quote this week where he said, like, um, the coach can't come out on the court with us. He can't come out play, and play defense. All that is is just words, like, um, which it's kind of a little bit reductive of what coaches are doing, but it's great. Like, all it is is just words. He's just saying stuff. Like, do like the players have to do it. And I, I really do feel that way. Um, I, I earnestly do think, um, while, while this has not been a sterling coaching job by Terry Stotts by any means, um, and it, uh, he's been bad, but like, the players have to go out and do it. And the way that the players had the, the most impactful thing that Terry can do is not play bad lineup combinations. You all, if you're listening to this podcast, know that I, I love lineup data. I'm always talking about which grouping does well together. And I know that lineup data is a little bit noisy for people who are really into stats, like just like a hot shooting or, or luck um, can like really sway any five, five person unit, five man unit. Um, it can it can it can sway their sort of on off numbers or their on court numbers a great deal right like like most of most of the noisiness in 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 lineup data can be um, explained by hot shooting but there is there are just things you can watch <laughs> to know that groups don't play together and for me and 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 many of you have already mentioned this so this ain't this is not new news but the Ennis Cantor Carmelo pairing is is just it's it's terrible. It's just not good. It's um, both of them are not good defenders, and when you play them together as the front line, you're gonna be bad on defense. And I think, like as good as as Nazir Little has looked, and we're gonna mention him in a second. Like he isn't the solution to cover for those two. Like he's a he's a competitive and interested one on one defender, and I thought he looked um, pretty pretty good in his minutes today. Like he looked like he deserves to play a little bit more, but. 
he isn't the guy that's going to cover for him. I don't even think Derek Jones Jr. is good enough of a, of a defender to kind of offset that that group. And if you play them with Dame and Anthony Simons, like that group is going to suck on on defense. And so then they're going to have to be excellent on offense because you know they're going to give up points on the other end. And this this game against the Jazz turned with in the third quarter with those two on the court, in part because Yusuf Nurkic picked up a fourth foul that was um, just kind of a crappy foul by Nurk. But you, so, you know, obviously foul trouble is something that you can't plan for, but there has to be a way to get around this, this pairing. And I'll offer that in a second. But first, the numbers, the Blazers were down 75-70 when, uh, when Carmelo checked in with, with Cantor already in the game. And they proceeded to get outscored by 13, 13-2 over about a four and a half minute stretch, almost five minute stretch. Game was over at that point. Gobert's in the free throw line. They sub out. Blazers go from down five to down 18 by the end of the third quarter. Down 16 at the end of the sub, but down 18 by the end of the quarter. Game was over. It changed in those five minutes. And it changed in those five minutes in large part because those that duo got cooked. They kept putting Cantor in pick and rolls. And you say, okay, well, it's Cantor's fault. But the problem is that you play defense as a team. And if your team defender behind Cantor is, is a guy who's sort of as as slow and bad a defense as, as Carmelo is, that's a problem. And if the other two out there are, are a combination of Dame and Anthony Simons, or even li- literally Dame and any other guard in the Blazers roster, any, hell, any, any guards on the Blazers roster with playing alongside Cantor Mello, it's going to be a problem. And it was a problem that game, the game had the game shifted at that moment. And that's like, I'm not going to be critical of Terry. Like, Oh, why does he always play drop defense? Um, like some of that is personnel stuff. I'm not, like I think, I think the criticism of, of Terry Stott sometimes can be off the mark, but this is like a simple thing the coach can do. Stop playing these two dudes together. It doesn't work. So you might ask like, how does it work? Why don't they just start Cantor? Well, I don't think they're going to start Cantor. I think they're going to play their best players to start the game. So it's more about when those subs come. You play Nurk the first nine minutes, then maybe you go small initially and bring and bring uh, Rocco back in or bring Derek Jones back in and go small. And then you take Mello out after a seven minute shift and then play Cantor a little bit longer to give Nurk some extra rest. Like you, you, you can skip those guys minutes together. You do not have to sub them in as a unit. And some of that is because I believe that you can go small. I believe with, with, if you can get Covington back in, if you take him out of the six minute mark and bring him back in, uh, you know, to start the second quarter, like, I think you can go, I think you can go small. I think you can figure it out and go small. And I think Nazir Little can play those minutes alongside, um, as, as either the three or the four, like he can, he can play there and he can be another wing defender. Like, I think you can do it. Um, it has to start though with Carmelo playing a little bit less, not like crazy less, but he needs to play as opposed to 20 minutes. He needs to play 16. Like that, that's it. Like you squeeze two minutes off of either end. So he doesn't have a long pairing with Cantor. I don't know if you can avoid it altogether, but I think you can avoid a lot of it and just play like, you know, four trips down the floor. Not five whole minutes, not five whole game-changing minutes when a really good team can run off on you because they can pick on multiple guys in the pick and roll knowing that the help defenders aren't going to be good enough. That's a simple thing. Uh, I'm not I'm not on board maybe yet with like Nazir Little deserves all of Carmelo Anthony's minutes. I don't I don't think that's true. Um, I think Nazir has made a, a good case to play. I think Nazir Little has showed that he can be a contributor. And I think that is part of the solution. Go small. 
They don't trust Harry Giles, and he hasn't showed that he deserves that trust. But I think there is a way to 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 downsize against most teams and survive with with a more aggressive defense, more switching. Like you can switch up what you do when you go small, as the Blazers do. You can rely on that athleticism. You know why have Derek Jones, Robert Covington, and Azir Little on the roster if you're not going to try stuff like that? Why why add Norman Powell if you're not going to try to fly around and be a little more aggressive on defense? When the Blazers do go small, they typically play more aggressive. They they free switch things and all, and all that stuff stick with that skip some minutes with Cantor in the middle of the second quarter certainly don't bring him in as the first sub or you know and or just like a straight sub for him for Nurk and then bring Mello in that pairing doesn't work you have to you have to avoid that bench pairing and that means making hard decisions that means maybe looking a future hall of famer in the face and say some nights you're not going to play because it doesn't work it might mean looking Ennis Cantor right in the face and saying, listen, man, you've been awesome. You, you helped keep this season afloat, but we have to do something else tonight. You're just, you're not, your name's not going to be called unless Nurk gets in serious foul trouble. That's, that's the job. That's the, to me, that's the simple, that's not like the solution, right? But that's, that's like step one. That's step one is avoid that pairing because that pairing kills you. A few more minutes for Nazir Little and just, you kind of, you know, they're they're kind of locked into the ten guys they can play. Um, you can only do so much. You know, players play. It's a talent league. Um, I'm not sure that the Blazers' like top tier talent behind Dame is is really can really right now push them over the top. But if you get the best of CJ and you get the best of Nurk and you avoid these minutes with a, with a terrible pairing of Nurk of uh, Ennis and, and Carmelo, you you put yourself in the right spot. Like you put you push yourself forward. Um, you gotta you. You know, you play with the players that are on the roster, but you the coach's job is to avoid the bad pairings. And right now, Terry's failing that test. And he's been failing it all year, quite frankly. And when they were injured, it was like, what are you going to do? But now that they're whole, now that the roster seems healthy, you have to, he has to make these tough decisions. Like he has to fit, he has, this one is a needle he has to thread. Um, I think there's, I try not to be super critical of him on here because like I, 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 not that I'm not critical of Stotts. Like I've, I think I've been pretty clear that he's having a bad year and he's been in like, they shouldn't be this horrific on defense, but like real tangible things a coach can do is not, is, is pick who plays. And this is a, this is a simple thing to pick who plays because this group doesn't work. Like I said, the Blazers play, they play some winnable games, played some tough games, games. I didn't think they were going to win. Now they're going to play some winnable games. Uh, Miami Heat, who knows who will play for them when they're healthy, they're really good. But the Pistons, who the Blazers open a uh, home and home Saturday, Sunday set with, they're bad. They're bad. That's a, that's a game to get right. Pistons won in Sacramento tonight, as I say that they're bad. So my apologies to Detroit. But this is a chance for the Blazers to get right. They have been good against bad teams. Keep that going. The end of April is going to be tough for them. 21 games left in the season. There's not a lot of sort of, not a lot of room to be patient. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is take care of the games you can take care of. Put yourself in a position to say, hey, we haven't beaten any good teams yet, but we've taken care of enough business to be where we want to be in the playoffs. And then prove it in the playoffs. I mean, I I maybe don't have a lot of faith in them, but like they can... Their formula remains the same. Take care, win the games you can, win the games against bad teams, put yourself in the right spot, and then you'll be in the tournaments. And once you get in the tournament, anything could happen. 
We will talk about playoff seeding, who I think the Blazers should try to match up with, where they should be, all that stuff next week. We'll also have uh, Mailbag Monday. I recorded on Mondays, posted on Tuesdays. You can email me, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich if you want to be involved in the Mailbag Show. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. It'll be there waiting for you. A couple of you wrote uh, some reviews on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, rather. Really appreciate it. Helps people find the show. And honestly, just warms my heart to see people saying nice stuff about the podcast. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.